I'm Marcella Lewin, and this is the Headless Creator Podcast, Season 1, Episode 30. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 30 of the Headless Creator Podcast, where I have conversations with content architects, designers, web developers, creators, and other professionals who are using a headless CMS and other related headless technologies for omni-channel content delivery. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a senior content solutions architect focused on content modeling, content architecting, and headless CMS implementations. Today, I'll be chatting all about testing web apps and APIs with my guest, Diego Aguilar, a software engineer focused on cloud development with Contentful, JavaScript, AWS, and other headless technologies. But before we get started, if you want more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles, all focused on creating websites, web apps, and IoT apps using headless technologies, please visit www.headlesscreator.com. All right, Diego, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Marcelo. I'm glad to be here. And I say welcome back because you were actually our guest in episode nine, where you spoke about three different types of architectures for designing scalable apps. Yeah, that's right. That was my first participation in the podcast. And now I'm happy to present a new episode about web testing. This is going to be a great one. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for being back here. And for those that didn't listen to episode nine, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. As a software engineer, I've worked in software development using multiple technologies. I've worked extensively with Node.js and developed and created multiple web apps and systems from media services, IoT, and e-commerce products. And how did you get into headless? What attracted you to headless technologies? like Contentful and others? Sure, that's actually a good question. During the last years, these technologies have been trending and becoming more and more popular. And multiple media projects were trying to build faster and have a more correct way to architecture applications. And that's actually how I got involved with Contentful, which was the first one. And so Cloudless web architecture systems like Lambda, AWS. Very cool. So you're located in Mexico, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm located in Guadalajara, a city in the west of Mexico. How's the technology industry over there, specifically with headless? I think headless technologies are present in this zone too. There are a lot of startups set here and also big companies. And all of them are trying to build faster and create more sophisticated products in a good way. And that's exactly where headless technologies can help a lot. Yeah, most definitely. Well, let's jump in into testing and let's talk about testing. I asked the Twitter sphere for questions. So I have a lot of questions for you. So we're going to be jumping around and just defining a lot of things. So if you're ready, we can get started. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So let's start with the basics. Why don't you define testing? What do we mean by that? Sure. Testing consists in making sure code works appropriately under expected conditions. Also, it would try to make sure that software components that you are building are error-proof and they can handle bad input or the execution under non-expected conditions. Typically, a test would consist of a defined statement of what's expected or not expected from a software piece. This would be a test case. Also, 
the invocation of a software component being tested under some parameters or given conditions, and a set of asserts for the execution result of the test case. Now, you mentioned asserts. We're going to talk about that because that's one of the questions. We'll talk about that. But my next question from the Twitter sphere is, tell us about the testing process in lifecycle. Usually, testing will be presented in multiple steps and phases of software development and even its whole life cycle. During or right after developers complete the task, tests should be executed. Uh, well, I should admit that recently I've been real tests and some assets alongside the code for scripts that were meant to complete data migration or just some new tasks and they were getting complicated. And this definitely helps for development and also as a guidance in order to trust for the final results. Also, pull requests can be integrated with tools that can flag changes that cause test break. Also, a new software build can be prevented to be deployed if tests don't pass in some environments. And this basically means we make sure we are not deploying bad code or bad changes if they're not error-proof. So now we may wonder, this is the ideal world, is this possible? Well, mm, depends. Can it be part of every development project from a management or even budget standpoint? Is it bad or good to have or aim for a 100% code coverage? Again, the answer for these questions is it depends. Most of the projects that I've worked on during the last couple of years got testing in some proportion. Probably 15% of the code components got some kind of testing. Definitely, I can say that probably more than 80% of bugs I caused ended up by having me reading tests and assets and making sure any edge case wasn't leaking. The most challenging task that I've worked on recently got some kind of unit test for its tool and end-to-end testing in some way as an acceptance and monitoring strategy. So it really sounds like testing is really very important and we should all be testing because of all the bugs you were able to catch during testing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about what are some of the requirements for testing? Well, of course, the software components meant to be tested, and then a series of test cases, a test runner, and an assertion tool or library. I see. And then we're going to talk about test runners because those are some questions that the audience also asked, but we'll jump into that in just a second. When should tests be written and who should write them? Ideally, whenever a new feature is implemented, also a bug fix should come with a test in most cases. I can say this is a must. Discover bug, a bug patch should come up and then a test case or just one, at least one test case. Developers should write tests. TDD is a whole realm work for another podcast episode, but basically says code development and testing should be holding hands all the time. There's QA people who are meant to be the solid tool and quality standard for a project, acceptance, etc. A very personal opinion is that project managers should be aware of the existence of testing and even be involved in the process when test cases get defined. And real quick, you said TDD. What does that stand for? Test-driven development. Got it. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So we always hear about a QA or a QC person. Is there any difference? There's very little difference. It's interchangeable, that term. Yeah. I see. It's somebody that it focuses on testing. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. What should and shouldn't be tested in your code, in your opinion? Well, 
own code logic, tools, algorithms, data conversion, data form and transformation, all those must be tested. On the other hand, the immediate results of dependencies and third-party software components should not be tested. Well, there's not much sense to validate if an insert to a database with a tailored programming language works or a test that a right object can be generated prior to database insert, that's something you need to test. I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are the different kinds of tests a developer can perform? There's unit testing, integration testing, and end-to-end testing are among the main types of testing. The difference between them relies on what's been tested, either a software component, the interaction between two or a whole functional part of a system. Unit testing aims to prove correctness of an individual component in a software system. Unit test cases should imply concise test statements, be deterministic, that always send results regarding the environment and have no side effects at all. For example, time conversion from one Tyson to another, message format conversion or metrics calculation from given values are examples. What are the most common issues seen in web testing? Web app test cases don't sound like unit testing anymore. So Achieving this isn't straightforward, and most of the time implies a recreation of user interaction and even the virtualization of the browser. Some known complications are that simulating a browser used to be hard or still is, emulating network calls, latency, and any kind of asynchronous process isn't trivial, and a web application won't look or even behave the same for every browser vendor. What are some of the most common issues seen in API testing? Avoiding side effects, getting a right test environment, complex workflows that are just hard to test. Can you give one or two examples of side effects? Sure. Those would be network calls, database writes or reads, and the creation of new resources from third-party services. I see. So how does testing an API differ from testing a web app? Web app testing aims to test the right user interaction with the app. On the other hand, API testing aims to test system workflows and the integration with dependencies of third parties. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So how does testing both of those differ from testing a mobile app? Or is it? Definitely, there are differences. Mobile web or native apps are expected to be used under certain circumstances like possible network higher latencies or simply smaller screens. So using tools to emulate these circumstances and evaluate results are required. Lighthouse is worth a look. So what is Lighthouse? What does Lighthouse do? Lighthouse is a tool from Google. It will help you testing the performance of your application or website under different circumstances for web or mobile. Actually, I think it's worth for a podcast episode, I would say. So just by itself, yeah, because it helps you be lightweight, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how is testing a headless-driven app, for example, a Contentful app, different from, let's say, an API testing, or is it? Headless CMSs are third-party software for a web app or even a custom API. So some test cases may be unit testing, a good data transformation into an application format from Contentful response, or even end-to-end testing for a static website properly rendering data from content types. But at the end of the day, you're really doing API testing, right? Yeah, but it's, well, I would say it's more like testing your application can deal properly with a third-party API. 
but you are not testing consensus because that's not on your react. Right, right. That makes sense. So let's jump into some tools. A lot of the questions in Twitter was about tools. Give us some tools that people will use when testing apps. Sure. Test runners, they execute tests. Mocha and Jess are good examples. Also, linters, they will help you lint the code, make sure it's looking good and makes sense. ESLint and Brom are good examples. Also, performance audit tools like Lighthouse, which we just spoke about, and visual testing tools. This will help you evaluate changes in a, from a visual standpoint, and Percy would be a great example. I see. Perfect. So what about tools for testing APIs? Are they different than the tools used for testing web apps? Some small differences. Let's go define those. Test runners are still required. Assertion libraries are still required, just like web apps. And we would need a libraries or tools that can capture requests without starting a web server. I see. And that would apply the same, for example, for headless technologies, because it's almost like an API, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what about when you're integrating with other systems, maybe internally? How would you test that? We will need tools that help us avoid side effects. So mock, stop, and spice libraries are helpful for integration tests, aiming to validate a proper workflow and not causing the side effects that we don't want. Higher level tests like end-to-end testing are worth to test with web runners like Cypress. So can you provide for us some recommendations for testing web apps and for testing APIs? Yep. Let's start with web apps. So try to spot test cases that can actually be redefined as unit tests. For example, testing that after a user clicks, tries on a button, a label would appear maybe hard. Testing a function that evaluates a state and returns a label value is more achievable. Also, try to avoid unnecessary side effects related mocks, like we just mentioned, stops, and spies for these cases. And finally, throw some robust and reliable tools and frameworks for web apps. So Cypress, which is now almost a de facto tool for testing. And for APIs, do separation of concerns, user request validations, utils code, data transformation, or serialization. Response generation can all just be code with no side effects, and these are easy to test. Use mocks and spice for third parties, avoid network calls, and avoid testing others. Identify the HTTP responses that you want to test. This is important. Very good. So let's jump into some terms. We've been throwing a lot of terms out there, and the Twitter sphere wants to know, for example, what's an assert? An assert is a concise statement that explains the value or shape of a variable. It's extensively used as a testing tool to prove the correct or incorrect result of software being tested. Can you give one example of an assert? Sure. Test a tier result of function call evaluates to a center data type. So what's a test runner? And can you also provide some examples? It's a software generated wrap as a framework that allows the definition of a set of test cases, the execution of code, and the inclusion of multiple assert statements Usually, a kind of report for the test statements would be included too. As examples, Mock and Jess are two guidance the JavaScript development world. So is there anything beyond test runners? Yeah, for most robust and complex tests, some tools like Mocks, 
stops or spies are present. We spoke about them before, but what they mean, what do they do? Let's explain that. Mocks allow to simulate the invocation and result of an external component or actor, like an external software dependency or a network call. Stops allow capturing or replacing the behavior of, of external software components, generally a dependency of the software unit being tested. Spies would capture the invocation of dependencies within the execution of code as a way to assert. There's something known as black box testing and white box testing. Can you explain both of those? Yeah. For black box testing, is making sure the output of a system is correct. It's kind of top-level testing, and the internal functioning is not the target, but the outcome. End-to-end testing is a great example. On the other hand, for white box testing, is the approach where the inner of a system are meant to be tested. Unit testing is a kind of white box testing. What's the difference between positive and negative testing? Positive testing will try to validate the correct behavior of software under the known and expected and trivial circumstances. And negative testing would include test cases for unexpected circumstances, usually bad parameters, non-reachable dependencies, wrong environments, well, negative testing tries to break the code. A personal opinion is that positive testing may be naive testing and negative testing might be realistic testing. So what is the difference between those and regression testing? What is regression testing? Oh, these are test cases that expect to validate the right functioning of a piece of or multiple software components in a system after a new feature, a bug fix, or just a breaking change. I see. Well, Diego, we're almost at the end of the interview here. I really want to thank you for sharing all your knowledge. I do have one final question, which is, do you have any final tips you want to give to users on testing? Yeah, I got some. Unit test your utils, lips, and algorithms. Remember that. Make sure you don't end up testing dependencies. It might mean obsessive testing or bad practices and wrong code design. Do pessimistic testing, try to break your code while you test. Go TDD way for algorithms and non-trivial code. Do not test overproduction or even staging environments. Don't do that. Learn from mistakes. If something is getting hard to be accepted or introduced box, make sure it's getting enough or a couple more tests. Make sure your project is getting a local and shared testing environment Docker helped a lot for this. Include some error-handled assets alongside your code for some non-expected conditions. Lock them and act fast with a patch fit and its corresponding test. Finally, rely on robust open source tools for testing. We mentioned some for web apps and APIs. Excellent. Diego, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with the community. You're always out there helping people out. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Happy to be here. If people want to get a hold of you, Diego, do you want to give email, a URL, Twitter, whatever you like? Sure. People can always write me to Diego Aguilar at ciudades.dev. That's my email. 
Thank you very much. And we'll post all of the links you mentioned to the tools. We'll also post your contact information on our show notes. So thank you so much, Diego. And to the rest of you, I'm glad you were here with us. Just a quick reminder to visit www.headlesscreator.com for more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles. So until the next episode, I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. Cheers, everyone. Oh, 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 o